Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, Craig! Hey, Jeff. Dude. Holy shoot. <laughs> I got, I, you know, we have not talked since, uh, since Friday. We, we've, we've done plenty of like messaging back and forth, but we have yeah. not talked. And, uh, yeah, I, I can hear in your voice how much fun you had at Husky stadium on Friday. Yeah. I'm still just kind of floating from that. Honestly, <laughs> recording on Sunday night. It's been almost two days. And your voice uh, has not yet recovered. Yep, and my uh, my my Friday night definitely became a, a Saturday morning. So uh, I extended the the celebration for a long time. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this is podcast versus everyone, episode number one forty nine. I'm Craig Powers. With me is Jeff Newser. And the Cougs won the motherfucking Apple Cup. Let's yes, go. They did. <laughs> Something we never thought would happen, except that we both actually predicted it on, on uh, last week's show. Of course we did. But we didn't predict. Well, you kind of predicted a beat down. You did. Um, we both predicted double digits, but uh, I'm not sure I actually believed that when I predicted it. Um, I just didn't want to be a Debbie Downer. Uh, but, man, uh, just an absolute whooping nothing fluky about it just dominating on both sides of the ball holding you dub to 200 total yards 454 total yards for the cougs uh just exploiting that young quarterback the young heward who couldn't quite <laughs> match his uncle's interception output although if you do think about it, he did throw if, one. if you count on the two-pointer two he did get five even though it doesn't count in the official stats he did throw five passes to the other team that's good enough for me i don't know i'm sure he i'm sure he and uncle brock can argue about it at thanksgiving dinner which one actually holds the record (laughs) man oh man but yeah uh what a game like what what a performance uh just to be in husky stadium for that to, to to have that happen in husky stadium 
the large contingent of Cougs that were there. Um, you know, and I've, I've watched some of the highlights and watched a little bit of the broadcast and we were making quite a bit of noise. It sounded like, um, yep. uh, I didn't realize we were doing that, but it, 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 yeah, we were pretty loud and, um, yeah, it was, it was great, you know, to have all those fifth and sixth year seniors, uh, finally get a win over UW and, and to, to set a record for biggest win over UW. Uh, period martin stadium yeah. or or husky stadium that's just an incredible just a, an incredible game man yeah it's it's a it's a testament to the rivalry that 27 points is our biggest win in 100 and whatever 113 years or whatever it was like uh that yeah we've never actually had an actual four touchdown win in washington has had a number of four touchdown wins. And so, um, like to, to do it like that, to have it come to an end like this, um, to have it come to an end in a way that was, you know, just completely not apropos of the series in general, yeah. um, was just so fucking cool. Like I, I probably like a lot of people. I mean, I, you know, okay. So I wasn't at the game like you were, as we talked about on last week's show. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm like watching this and like, I, I'm not totally sure what to do do with myself as it's happening like i'm just sort of like wait is this happening and then of course you know there was the there was the you know the the end of the second quarter where or the really just kind of the second quarter in general where we were uh trading touchdowns for field goals and then uh you know we give washington some great field position on a kickoff thanks to a, a you know one of many bogus penalties and uh you know all of a sudden washington scores right before the half and and then we don't even really really try to come back and score the other direction i'm just going oh my god oh my god like washington has has nothing and we're only up by six points and you know it's like any any sane rational person would watch the way that game was unfolding and just go we're fine like we're fine like washington has nothing like they they can't really move the ball they they hit a couple of plays to catch up we're dominating them um yeah i mean this would be you know if we were playing anybody else i would have been like yeah we're good you know we're good if we were playing any other team that's like a four win team coming into that game i'd be yeah. like we're fine we're fine you know but since it's this fucking game I'm sitting there like I'm freaking out. I'm absolutely freaking out. And like, is you know, I don't know how much while you were, you know, doing your thinking the same, I don't know how much you were on Slack or Twitter, but it's like, like I was freaking out and I'm like, this is how it ends. This is how it fucking happens. We we're better than this team. We're way fucking better than this team. And you know what? Here we go. We got our fucking coach brain going. We're punting when we should be going for it. We're kicking fucking field goals. This is it. This is how it happens. How we lose this fluky fucking game to a terrible team. And then of course, of course it didn't happen. So yeah, I, I was, I was I not really wasn't Slack. sure how to handle this. I was not on Slack, not even one little bit, yeah. um, but we were definitely worried a bit at halftime, you know, that, that, uh, gosh, we, we kind of, we didn't, we didn't capitalize. We should be up by more. All the Husky fans are saying you guys should be up by more. And we're like, we know, um, but we're not. Yeah, but, exactly. But the great thing is they came out right at the start of the second quarter shut UW down three and out then immediately go and score a touchdown just to you know just to say you know what this is our fucking game like like yep. and they dominated the third quarter stretch it from 13 to 7 to 30 to 7 um just effect, like effectively ending it there i got a question so we can just like roll through these questions as they make sense um yeah. uh 
so let me find it. Um, it was when when did you? Well, okay, so from at Wayward Coog, who props, uh, their name is just GFC, uh, two it. exclamation points. So what was the point in the game where you were like, yeah, we're going to fucking win? I tend to be like, wait, we can still fuck this up until the two-minute timer. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think for me, when I truly lost it, like, like it, it, the, the total like exuberance was was the pick six by Amarni. Yes. But honestly, like once we were up thirty to seven, we were all kind of celebrate. We were just celebrating in the stadium. Like people were coming down. You know, my friends that were sitting in other places came down came down to, to buy us the huskies were leaving so they were, they were freeing up seats all around us um and i if i think about it now like we were all in a pretty good mood i look at the pictures i look at the timestamps on them like we were taking pictures we were hugging like we're, we were just having a good time at that point but it really probably and i'm sure it's the same for you what didn't really kind of hit until armani ran that back for a yeah. touchdown well that that was the point at which you could finally like talk yourself into the game being like statistically over, yeah. right? You're like, okay, there's eight minutes to go. They're down by four touchdowns. Like, like it would take a truly, truly insane series of events for them to like, to, to even make this uncomfortable, let alone like, like win the game. Right. So it, it's just sort of like at that point, I'm thinking, okay, you know, eight minutes, four touchdowns, this is safe. I can finally actually smile and relax. I mean, at any point up until then, I could sort of talk myself into, um, you know, I could talk myself into how it could go sideways, right? Like, like right before the pick six happened, you know, we kick another field goal, right? Like, you know, it's, it's yeah. 30 to, th- you know, it was 30 to seven. Uh, then all of a sudden it's 30 to 13, right? Yep. And we're like, okay. And they had a fairly quick drive and a short field again. Right. And okay. It's 30 to 13. Now we're only up 17 points, right? I mean, that's three scores with 12 minutes to go. That's not I, independent of how Washington was actually playing. Like that's like mathematically, that's not crazy. Right. And yeah. then, you know, we have a short, relatively short drive, like three minutes, kick another field goal um, after Washington tried an onside kick, you know, again, felt like an opportunity squandered. Oh my God, it's only 20 points. You know, it's like, that's three touchdowns, three touchdowns in eight minutes. That's not insane. Like, you know, especially if we kind of don't have, um, you know, if we, if we don't move the ball at all in our next drive, if they score whatever. Right. And then, uh, and, and then the pick six and it's like, Oh yeah, no, no, this, this is it. This is it. I can finally relax. Um, you know, I probably should have relaxed long before that, but you know, that that's the nature of this game, man. Stupid shit happens. Even when it feels like we're dominating, even when it feels like, you know, we should be running it up, um, you know, it gets closer than, than it should be. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a frustrating thing, but you know, that's, that's where I finally like relaxed. I imagine it was a bit of a, like a catharsis for the people in the stadium that, you know, everybody was finally on the same page. Okay. This is really finally actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were, it was just, I, I, I've, I've went back and watched the last eight minutes, but I do not remember a single thing that happened on the field in the last eight minutes after Armani picked that, picked that off and ran it back for a touchdown. Like I was, I was just, I was just floating around the, uh, the stadium just like hugging people taking pictures like high-fiving and, and go coogs and 
pointing to the W and saying, let's go. We got to go. We're going to go. When I hit zero, we're going to be over there, making sure everyone was on that page. And as you could see, everyone was on that page. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, like but I think about it, how, how you're worried throughout. But uh, I always uh, I remember what you always say about the, the 97 Apple Cup um, when Chris Jackson scores that first touchdown and just runs yeah. over a UW defender. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about max's first touchdown we're honestly like where i'm from i'm in the fourth row you know it's kind of hard for you to see beyond the players on the field so we see him get hit and we all kind of think he's down and then all of a sudden he's in the end zone and you're like what the hell just happened and you look at that replay and i'm like maybe that should have been our fucking chris jackson moment like yeah no like we are better than them we are physically better than them like max not only had a huge hole because our line screwed him up and our and our receivers were p- perfectly blocking downfield he also just straight up ran around it like g- guy tried to tackle him he just spun away from it and scored like that's probably when you should have been like yeah we're winning because you know obviously in 2019 they got up seven nothing with a max borgie touchdown too but that was like a, a prodding long drive but this was after you know they got to that third and long and shout out to Donovan Ollie, man. Holy shit. Yeah. Like what like what a game. We we've not been like super kind to how I mean we don't say mean things, but we're saying, you know, he hasn't been that great. But just to obviously Jade made a nice throw, he made a nice catch to get to get open and hold on to the ball when he got hit hard on that third down. And that's they they stuffed us on those first two downs. And then it was all Cougs from that moment on. Yeah. They, you know, they convert that third down. Next play is another big nice pass to, or, you know, two plays later, another nice pass to, uh, to Ollie. And then, bam, there's a touchdown. Bam. We tackle them on the 12-yard line, totally annihilate them on the, uh, on the, on the kickoff. And, like, if, if you aren't nervous wrecks like we are, you're probably like, oh, man, Cougs are going to fuck them up today. Oh, but yeah. you're just like, please make as many good plays now. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not as stressed later. I know. Well, and that's that first half was like, fuck, you know, it was like, this is how it happens, right? Like, this is it. This is how it happens. This is how a team that's way better blows this game. This is this is it. You know, it's like we are so fucking traumatized and scarred from this stupid game. Like, I hate what this game does to me. I mean, you know, I said on the podcast and we, and we did do this. I went out with. You know, some friends, my wife and I, Sarah and I went out um, with some friends, you know, and 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 the wife of the couple, you know, she has um, she attends Washington for her teaching program. And so she's and she's recently moved here from Missouri. So she's just kind of all in on being like, yeah, I'm a husky. Let's go. And I'm like, OK, you know, I'm trying, you know, the whole time I'm, tr- I'm trying to be nice. You know, I'm trying not to be mean. Um, I'm trying not to be an asshole because that's typically, you know, how I would be. And if and if I really celebrated uh, the way that I typically would celebrate, uh, I definitely I definitely would have made some people mad, you know, but it's just like, God, like. I, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm wanting to enjoy this. And then I, I just like, I, like I'm, I'm having such a hard time, like being, being rational and reasonable about it. And I'm like, I hate what this game does to me. I'm like, I'm such a shithead. <laughs> like, I just like, I'm thinking like, okay, we're dominating this game. Everything's fine. And you mentioned that 97 game. Okay. So I think back to that 97 game, like that was, I was a junior, uh, that year. So like I, my experience as a Coug 
was was short. That's my third year as a Coug, right? Before that, I was a Husky, Husky fan growing up, right? Like I was convinced I was going to Washington, you know, very much a Husky fan. So this is my third year as a Coug. And my my only experience to that point was, okay, 95 wasn't great, but 96 was an overtime game in Pullman. And then 97, you know, I'm thinking, man, we got we got this fucking team. Like we're rolling into the into Husky Stadium going, whose house? Coug's house. Like we're fucking, we are so arrogant. We were so arrogant. We were so convinced that nobody could beat us. That not, you know, Washington couldn't beat us. Washington was nothing. We were going to steamroll them. And, and, you know, we didn't steamroll them, right? Like, I mean, we ended up, you know, winning by a touchdown. It was really kind of a two touchdown game, but yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. It's like, but, but that, that, that arrogance, that, that belief that like, no, the better team's going to win has been absolutely positively drummed out of me in the last like 25 years. Like, it's just, I just keep thinking something's going to go wrong. Something's going to go sideways. You know, we, we, and this last decade has been so shitty, you know, and that's the funny thing too. Like up through 2007, it was like, I mean, think about like my first, you know, like 12 years as a Coug, it was basically, I think it was 500 or close to it, you know, basically between the two teams, right? We had a stretch where we won three out of four. And then all of a sudden, like it comes this like dark era (laughs) where, where we can't fucking win an apple cup and not only that, but being completely uncompetitive. So anyway, like the last decade has kind of broke my brain and uh, you know, so I, I, I was struggling with how to, how to kind of make sense of it uh, as it was unfolding. And then, you know, like I said, feeling like, you know, the worst thing was going to happen after um, things didn't quite, you know, totally go our way in the second quarter. Yeah. And there's definitely things, you know, that, you know, you wish maybe we could go for it, but that game could have been, you know, fifties, sixties, yep. even if, if yep. we're just maybe going for it in positions where we definitely could have gotten it, you know, but one thing I, I got to give him credit for, and you know, it may be something you lament a little later, but, um, is when we preview UW, they have an elite pass defense and they have a really shitty run defense. And how many times have we went into this game in that la- in that losing streak where we yep. knew that they had an elite pass defense and we still fucking threw that ball over and over and over again to our detriment? But to like this game, hell no. Like, and also, you know, they ran it. They ran it a bunch. They gave Max Borgia a huge, huge day. Plus Dion Magatosh chipping in big, like a nice day for him as well. But then also like you and I talked about before the game, we didn't know how Jaden Delora would react to this. Yep. And he looked like a red shirt senior quarterback making every fucking throw, every good decision and the best fucking pose ever which should not have been penalized. <laughs> Fuck you, refs. Exactly. Also, That's hell yeah. So best penalty ever, Jamie. Hell yeah. Yes. Best well, penalty second ever. best behind Hugging Butch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know um, if that one was better or Hugging Butch was better. Yeah. They were both fantastic. I love to just whoop them and, and then also get to have these shithead penalties and we don't care. Like, oh, they yeah. don't matter. And we're just like, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're kicking their asses. But, but Jaden was so impressive because yes. UW was, he was dropping. Incredible. They weren't giving yep. us anything deep. I think I can remember one like 20-yard pass to Jackson. It was mostly short, 15 and less, a lot of out routes, you know, and, and he just – he has matured so much as a passer. I remember when we were thinking he was just – early in the season, he was just a one-read guy, but he's definitely, you know, Petros Papadakis, who's 
who is actually as annoying as his voice is, is very good at what he does. Yeah. Yes. Commented on that, like how he's he's going through progressions and he was not doing that that very well at the start of the season. So to see how far he's come along and really was not rattled by the moment at all. In fact, loved every bit of the moment and wanted yeah. to take it. And then fucking with 12 minutes left in the game, went and had a had a, a staffer go get a flag from the cheerleaders <laughs> so he could plan on like, which is awesome, by the way. If you're some kook that worries about UW retaliating, oh or my something, god, fuck that! Who cares? It's a rivalry. No, who cares? Yes. Bring it. Bring the hate. I want god, them to hate us. I don't want them it. to be like little brother. We root for you all the time. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, Hell don't yeah, and don't us. give me this shit. Like somehow they don't. Their shit don't stink. Like they, they absolutely have done stuff. Like you know, storm the field at Martin Stadium. Like. Like, yeah, when they beat don't a two-win Wazoo team in 2010, they yeah, stormed do not, the field. Do not let them convince you that somehow they are above this, because they are definitely not. And, you know, they, uh, they, they've they got no leg to stand on when it comes to this this kind of stuff. And um, I, I love Jane Delora's swagger. Um, you know, like we talked about, we were worried that he was going to be, you know, too amped up, but really like the Oregon game, right? Like the Oregon game was the big one where we go, okay, you know, we've got this, everything's in front of us. You win this game, you know, you're, you're essentially in the driver's seat for, um, you know, for the PAC 12 championship. And as it turned out, right, we ended up beating Arizona and UW. So, yeah. you know, we really were right there. Um, and he came out and, and was just, uh, you know, and that was another game on the road. Um, and he was, you know, he was just, uh, he was way too amped up, right. He was way too yep. amped up. And, um, you know, in this one, man, he was like dialed in, locked in from the get go, um, just in command. So calm, um, taking what the defense gave him, which, you know, we've, we have struggled so badly, um, with the, with the air raid, uh, you know, against, against the drop eight stuff. And, and, yep. you know, I know that people will probably want to read a whole bunch into, you know, air raid versus run and shoot, drop eight, blah, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, I would not read more into it other than Washington's defense just isn't as good as it's been. Um, particularly you know, the defensive I, line. Yeah, not particularly the, the defensive line, right? Not able to get so the pressure on the that was exactly to force it. him. Yeah. Right. They would drop eight and then and they had two things going for them, right? So they number one is they they could actually get some pressure with three guys. Um, because they had absolute wreckers on their yep. defensive line. Okay, so that's number one. Right. Like if you're trying to block Vita Vea, it doesn't matter if you're rushing three. Right. Like that guy, that guy's a monster, you know, or Joe Tryon. Yeah. Like, you know, they had some. Two. He's fine. Exactly. Yeah. They they had some very, very, very good defensive linemen that could beat people. Uh, even they could beat two people. Right. So, OK. So you're dealing with that. And then on the back end, you know, when they're running, you know, five defensive backs out there and three linebackers out there. OK. Now you're dealing with defensive backs who are fast and long and, and those, those gaps are just so small. Right. And so you, the gaps are really small. They're plugging, they're mucking things up with eight guys um, out in the, you know, out in the pattern. And then you've got three guys that aren't actually giving you a lot of time to throw the ball. Well, in this one, man, they're, they're three guys couldn't do shit. Like they couldn't even get near him really. Well, and even if they um, do, so he had all day. Yeah, Jaden is so good at avoiding the yeah. rush. There was times so when I good at he was moving around. Yeah, yeah, he's so good at just moving around, stepping into a little soft spot in the po- in the pocket, um, you know, and eventually finding a guy like. And, and he was he was content to take what they were giving him, which I, you know, again, I thought was um, incredible in a sense, like just a sign of his maturity. Like, 
you know, they ran that three, three tight thing that um, Jesse Casino, you know, broke down for a while. The BYU ran a pretty good effect against this. Um, mm-hmm. And, and Jaden just shredded it like he just yep. shredded it and they never went away from it, which is what was, you know, the most bizarre thing is they really never mixed it up. They never really tried to bring a bunch of pressure. Um, they, you know, Washington was just sort of content to be like, well, you know, this is what we do. And, and man, they, you know, Jaden just really picked him apart. And then the other big thing is, man, if you're facing, you know, three, six guys, you know, three, three guys up front, three linebackers, or maybe five, two linebackers for five, you know, whatever it is, you know, you're probably going to be able to get some leverage on running plays and, and, you know, we finally made him pay. Um, you know, I know people, you know, got so frustrated with Leach and the air raid and everything, but there, there's no doubt in my mind that if we had run the air raid in that game, we also would have scored 40 plus points against that defense. Like they were, um, they were a mess. They were a mess and, and we totally took advantage of it. And our guys, uh, you know, to their credit, um, really just, they, they had the swagger from kickoff. They had no doubt that they were the better team and they went out and played like it, which to be honest was, um, unbelievably refreshing to not have to watch our team pee down their legs for 60 minutes against UW. Yeah, of course. And, and what was awesome about it. And we talked about Dom and Ollie earlier, UW was very, they looked very intent on stopping Travell Harris, stopping Calvin Jackson. Absolutely. Um, And Deshaun and Donovan basically caught everything that went their way. Yeah. So, Ollie, 68 yards on seven targets, five catches. Uh, Dejan had Dejan had uh, seven catches on nine targets. So they were just, you know, it helped that, like, you know, uh, Jaden was just on point. But still, they made some tough catches. And they made some big catches. Uh, and they, they kept drives going, especially Ollie. He had, he had some huge... Uh, first down catches really impressive he looked every bit of the size and strength that you were hoping yep. from him at the start of the year he just looked big i don't know if the UW's corners are small or what but he just he's looked big and and he looked like a presence and kind of hopefully continue that for next year because uh, it makes me feel a little bit better about our receivers based on how donovan and, and dejan uh, performed in this one and yeah and it, there there wasn't distribution beyond those four guys really um dion yeah. and maxi had a couple you know, almost nothing catches or whatever, yep. you know, but, uh, it, it was, it, they, they weren't distributed. They, I, I, I don't think those guys came out that much. Um, I think, uh, we were going back to that, those early, those for like the 2020 games where the receivers played a lot. Cause I did not see many other guys coming on the field. Like, cause I guess if it's working, it's working. Yeah. And, and then of course the, you know, the ground game, uh, Max, did his typical thing, big plays. He got stuffed a couple times, but then he comes back. Uh, he kind of got real bummer. Uh, he could have had another really long touchdown. Real kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it was an iffy hold on Travell Harris. I'm just not sure if it was necessary yeah. in any way that he. It, I don't, it I, was pretty iffy. Yeah, but he, I Travell probably didn't even need to do like even need to touch the guy. Max was already by him. That's what's yep. frustrating. Yeah. Um, and because he did a nice pirouette into the end zone, it was great. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, then it's looking even worse, you know, because I think we ended up punting or something on that drive. But um, yeah, so it's it's wild to think, you know, Dion was only three point one yards a, a carry, you know, whatever. It, like even they weren't. Other than Max had a couple explosive runs, they weren't super explosive, but they were just 
they were just grinding and and yeah. and and that you know they got the ball back with almost six minutes left inside their own 10 and just ran down the field until the clock was out yep because uh, it was really cool you know once we get to that big margin you're like can we stay there like i don't want you dub to get a couple cheap touchdowns at the end and make this look like yep. it was close you know yep um yeah, you know because even arizona did that last week yeah and so I, I mean that that last drive went like this max for five max for 19 unsportsmanlike conduct <laughs> max for seven Max for four, Dion for seven, Dion for five, Dion for one, one yard loss, Dion for one yard gain, end of game. Five Beautiful. minutes, 22 seconds. <laughs> Covered, uh, looks like, let's see, 47, 51 yards. No, 53 yards. That's yeah. it. 53 yards, all rushes. Thanks for the unsportsmanlike. And then on the, on the defensive side, it's funny, like, the defense was just not on the field very much. And they like the leading tacklers were Marsh and Watson with five tackle, five total tackles. Yeah. So that, those are always, that's always good when you don't have a guy with 50, that means you there hasn't been many opportunities to get a tackle. And because yep. they, uh, UW just wasn't moving the ball and Sam Heward, every so often every seven throws or so would just give it to us you know yep. I, i'll say two of his have you awful. by the way have you seen the time of possession yeah it's nuts yeah 41 <laughs> 25 to the cougs 1835 to washington now we neither one of us are big believers in time of possession as, as a as a meaningful stat in terms of anything like like it like it's not an accomplishment generally to, to win time of possession. It's not a thing that generally helps you for sure win a game. Right. But in this case, it just is sort of illustrative of how dominant we were, um, you know, how little Washington could get going, you know, in comparison to, um, you know, our running the ball. So. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, I, Dylan Morris, as I wrote in my preview is, is, was having one of the worst, uh, seasons for UW quarterback in at least, you know, 13 years or something, um, as far back as I looked. Um, but still, to go with this guy that's thrown 11 passes all year and start in this high-pressure atmosphere, uh, maybe they didn't think it would be a high-pressure atmosphere, but, I mean, he's a, he's a legacy UW guy. He's, you know, he's yeah. from Washington. Like, he's... You knew he was going to think this game is a big deal, but, and he obviously just, he was missing throws. They also, they were trying, they tried to get him, you know, an easy start, some short throws, yep. and WC yep. blew them the fuck up. So he yeah, could, they he were just, ready for that, yeah. man. We, we were ready for everything in this oh, game. Oh, it's incredible. Which I, I, is, oh my God. That's the part <laughs> I, I guess, and we'll talk about Dicker getting the job, you know, in a minute, but it's like, I, I, like, I cannot, um, keep enough praise on the coaching staff for this game you number one you mentioned donovan ollie and Dijon stribling right like the fact that we were prepared to take advantage of passes to the outside sort of knowing that they were going to try to take away you know our, our two inside receivers yeah, who, they put who have their been two our star cornerbacks yeah generally on 
yeah. the inside receivers, Jackson. Like and those guys have been our most explosive players. And so, you know, rather than, you know, trying to shoehorn the ball to them and try to figure out a way to get to them, instead we went, okay, well, you're going to play soft on the outside. All right, we'll take your your six yards, your eight yards that you're giving us on the outside, and we'll just keep peppering you out there. And it really just, it like, they really, truly had a difficult time adjusting. And then defensively, same deal. It, it was almost like when they saw Heward was starting, they just sort of went, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. Let's go. We are going to eat. We are going to eat today. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if that's, if that's the sort of conversation that they had with each other before the game that, you know, like, hey, they'll probably try to ease him in, you know, be prepared for short passes and just rally to the ball and hit some people um, because they were absolutely ready for all that stuff. No tentativeness. They were aggressive. They were fast. Um, and, and so, you know, I get why people are excited about, you know, Jake Dickard and the defense and all that stuff going forward. I, they just, you know, over these last, you know, five games, you know, and, and even the couple of games before that, right, where, um, you know, they were they were starting to turn around. They've just looked really prepared. They've played really fast and uh, and they just they look well coached right now. And, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel really good because Washington obviously was, you know, a total train wreck um, with their coaching situation. And uh, and yep. we were we, we certainly were not. And and all the kudos in the world to the staff. I mean, the players, the players deserve, you know, the, the vast majority of the. Um, of the credit, you know, they, they're the ones who have been through everything. They're the ones who, um, I mean, they, they are the constant, right? Like they were, you know, the, the season was, you know, really turning around before Rolovich got fired. So they're the constant, but, but it was, it was pretty clear. The coaching staff, um, had them in, in excellent position to be successful. And, and so the, the coaching staff deserves, um, a ton of credit for that as well. And it's just wild to, like you say, you think about, these last seven years, seven Apple Cups before this, even if you go back to uh, since 2008, um, when UW stopped being objectively terrible um, and, and we just started losing a lot in this game, uh, it just, ha- especially in the last seven years, you just haven't seen them be the better prepared team in any way. No, they've you, been you, so tentative. Yeah, so tentative. Like, and I'm not into I'm not into being an armchair psychologist, but it's real hard not to be an armchair psychologist. The last well, and almost almost kind of you know, me and is part of the deal with Leach, but almost stubborn to the point of yeah. like, no, this is what we do. It doesn't matter if they play the exact perfect thing to stop it. We're still going to do it. Yep, and we do what we do. Yeah, we do what we do, and then it just didn't work. And the defenses would have some of their worst days against UW against, you know, some UW offenses that were nothing special, you know? So it was good to see them play a bad UW offense who was then playing an even worse quarterback, you know, maybe Sam Heward will, you know, kill us someday, but he was not ready for that. He was not ready to play this team. Um, He was clearly like the small, his first interception the smallest amount of pressure. Like he wasn't even close to being sacked and he freaked out and threw this back foot throw that Armani Marsh picked off. Um, And then the second one, bad throw gets a little unlucky because Lankford makes a great catch. The third one, right to justice Rogers. We finally get to see justice run uh, a nice 60 yard return, man. (laughs) I'm turning into my friends and I'm like, no, I swear to God, I cannot tell you how many of those he's dropped. In the last mm-hmm. like four years, 
you know, yep. he never catches those. So anyway, it was such a cool thing to see. Um, and he was so excited. You know, Jack, our, our guy, Jack Ellis got a great photo of him doing uh, dubs down after that interception, yeah. which was, which was fantastic. Oh, it was a good day for dubs down. Lots of dubs yes, down. Yes, it was. Lots I, I of maybe, dubs down. Maybe some double birds I was I was flipping <laughs> as well. Um, I have seen that, that picture. At, at the general um, populace. <laughs> just in their general. General picture. purple populace. Um, you know, it's – I it, shout out to my buddy Corey who was just taking pictures of me. Because yeah. Jeez. Corey's, Corey's a, got a second career in photography, man. I know, right. Because I am just a – uh, you're also absurd. very photogenic with your uh with, with, with your gestures ex- gestures express well <laughs> apparently you know that photographer from the news tribune caught me yes as well, so. yes yes to, uh, to go right along with the with the photo from you know 15 years ago or whatever yeah uh, sure. where you're at the basketball game yeah good call on that one brian floyd i yes. woke up to that good morning craig powers that was like, fantastic oh, I love that it. was funny but yeah, yeah so you know we're celebrating um, it was so fun to be in there. So many Cougs. We had a, as you could see on TV, a huge, huge contingent behind. Yeah, we said fuck your section up in the 300 section. Yeah, and we just made our own section right behind our bench. Um, tons of tons of WSU fans. We were having to coordinate that. That's another Cougar first downs. Uh, we had we had, we were like having a guy in the middle being like you got to start it and you're doing it for both these sections all right and he's like all right you know I I kept going come on he was wearing a Borgie jersey I was like come on Borgie guy come on Borgie guy it's all you and he's like oh yeah 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 and he yeah, felt yeah, really yeah. bad because he did it so there was a there was a catch that Dijon Stribling made where he very clearly fell past the line of gain oh and, yeah and for some reason the ref uh, called it one yard short L- luckily. WSU picked it up on the next play, but but uh, my man did the first down. We all did the first down, and then and then we're like, wait, second down. So then we just did it again. So, uh, but yeah, you know, by it was funny. You know, I was doing my little reveling everywhere in the stands, and then I look up and I see that there's 30 seconds left, and then the play clock is you know off basically, and so I run over to that rail. And I'll tell you, and so I got a question. Um, who was it from? You guys sent a lot of questions, which is cool. Uh, so at MKIDSSTE, uh, their name is just Go Kooks. Um, how high was the jump down to the field? It was pretty high, especially. It looked pretty high. <laughs> if you are recovering from a torn Achilles. <laughs> from a torn Achilles. And, and all you can think of. So younger Craig would have just jumped down on that thing. Um, I think it was probably at least like 10 feet. I think it was about 10 feet. It was not. It was not that. So you, you made a joke about the slow yeah, yeah. field rushing. There I was, was like, this is the that. slowest field rush there I've ever seen. There was a reason seen. for that because it was. Because there, the shortest railing was if you went by the steps, and so you had to be braver if you were just going to go over where your seat was, because it was even higher, probably like twelve, more like twelve feet there. Uh, but so I, you know, so I just did this kind of, I fell down and and just like kind of led my weight to my good leg and rolled over a little bit um, just to protect. So I, I probably looked like a dork. I I went straight to the ground when I, but I that was on purpose, I swear. And then I just ran straight out. And so I have another question from Jeff O'Neill that says, 
uh, at Jeff O'Neill that need all of the stories from your time on the field after the game. Um, so it's pretty funny. Just went out there. Uh, I think I was fairly unaware. I was just kind of basking at first. Um, yeah. cause I actually saw, so I was stopping, you know, I, I, I stopped at I was stopping at players whenever I saw them. Thank you, thank you for this. You know, I really appreciate what you did today. You know, this is great for me. All of us were enjoying it. It's funny I saw on the um, on the broadcast. I like right walked right by Jessamine McIntyre interviewing Max Borgie. Like was right next to them. I do yeah. not remember seeing Max Borgie on the field at all. Um, so I just went. And, you know, we uh, then someone lifted Travell Harris up and, and he had the flag over it. He, someone had he had taken a flag from someone and he has had a flag. He was draping. He was he was doing dubs down. We were we were we were chanting. It was great jumping and chanting. Um, security didn't even bother us at all. Uh, they, they, they let us stay out there for quite a while before they made us leave. Um, so that was nice. Um, cause I had heard a story from another friend. He said in 2007, he saw someone get, uh, tased when they tried to jump on the field. Jeez. Um, yeah. So he was like, so I don't know. We'll see. And I was like, but then I saw people were going, I'm like, we're just, we're going, man. Um, so it was pretty cool. Zane, uh, at some point found me, which is the benefit of being the tallest uh, guy. Um, you know, I was just every every player would see out you know a lot of them might even know i just like look at their back i'm like oh you're best i, I saw G, dean janikowski i know it was his birthday it was travel's birthday too a lot of happy birthdays you know um yep. so yeah G, by the way dean janikowski outscored you dub on his own so uh way to go dean uh, yeah. he gave you plenty of opportunities um no kidding but um but yeah so it was uh so zane finds me we we uh we jump up and down like we're just slamming into each other it was so funny and then uh my friend brad uh you know we're, we're you know you're going to the w and like intentionally just like stomping on it of course, you know? of course. you don't know does it As do anything does. i don't know but you're just stomping on it like f this you know fuck this like um and uh and then then my uh my friend brad breaks out a little uh c-pad and then puts um uh, 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 WSU Creamery Smoky Cheddar on it. So, Ooh. so we're sitting on the fifty-yard line at Husky Stadium eating uh, Cougar cheese, yeah. and that was pretty epic. Um, that was pretty awesome. I, uh, one, by the way, one of my friends sent me a picture of you guys eating cheese on the W, and he goes, "Hey, check out these dudes eating cheese on the W." And I'm like, I know them. <laughs> like, I see them. I'm like, I know these people. These are all my friends, you know. So he was like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, for real. I know all of them. Actually, you weren't in the picture. It was Marnie and, and some other people. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, well, I don't know where. Craig. So I said, did you see Craig? And he's like, no, I didn't see Craig. So I don't know. You were off dude. I was standing else. right next to that. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that was. Uh, yeah, because I was I was just taking pictures of them. Yeah, um, it was great. And he, yeah, he was. was he was very uh he was very pleased uh by by your yeah that was that was pretty epic i didn't um i didn't exact the crowd was so big like literally there's you watch on tv i've watched on tv and there's like just factions of things i was mostly by travel and there wasn't that much space between me and where Jaden 
did the did the flag planting, but I didn't even know that happened. Yeah. Like I saw it after the game. I'm like, when the hell did that happen? That's that's well, it was awesome. Like, it was in the it was in the middle of so many people. Like yeah. that that probably was part of it. Unless you were kind of right there, um, it, was, it was tough to see. So yeah, so I just remember mostly just uh, just chanting, singing, dancing, eating cheese. Um, you know, drinking beer because they still you know we still had our beers. Yeah, uh, so that's nice. How and, about that? Um, yeah, yeah. Get on that WSU. Come on. Yeah, um, let's, let's make this happen. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just uh, it was awesome. You know, it, it's just it, it was what much more of a um, uh, kind of positive experience than when I rushed the field in 2005, which mm-hmm. uh, when we did that, um, the UW players took great offense. Yes. And like. I got shoved over by like an offensive lineman on top of like a bunch of people. Like it was like a much bigger like fight. I think that that picture of the UW fan and the, and the WSU fan like fighting over the flag is from that game. But this was just like all Cougs. So even the Husky fans that were obviously down there with their friends, you know, they're okay, fine. Well, if you're going down, I'm going to go down. Like, why would you not? You know, I'm going to see this party. Um, So uh, yeah, it was just like a party and it was, so fun like it and just to like look around it it you kind of wish the game wasn't like it was it's not as good when the game is a blowout i think because there was no one in the stands at that point yeah, yeah. Like, like it was fun like i remember 2005 there was still like somebody you fans just stared at the field and he was like fuck you like uh but this time it was just all us so like it was it's kind of funny because it was just like a kook thing and like yep. UW fans get mad about it whatever you guys rushed our field before many times. I've seen it happen yeah. many times. Personally, I've been well, at games when you've you done know, it. Like don't get your asses kicked. Yeah, don't either. get your asses kicked. You know, it, it it's a rivalry. What are you going to do? I mean, there was at least 10,000 of us there. You know, I'd probably more. Yep. And we were all on the field. Um, yep. Yeah, it was just very cool. Um, I, I loved how much the players seemed to kind of enjoy it and – and uh, it was nice to be able to, you know, see some of them, call them out and, and just give them that immediate feedback. Like you just made my day, man. Like you made my yep. year. Um, yep. So that was that was cool. Uh, but yeah, like good job, Brad and everyone with the cheese. That was excellent uh, to eat cougar cheese. That's legendary. That will be talked about forever. That'll be talked about I by people so. we don't even know. I think uh, so. forever because um, I saw some random person that I don't know post about it on a, on a Die Hard Cougs. So I was like, well, hey, I see I could see my legs in the picture because I was standing. The, up. the part that made my buddy laugh was that he was like, OK, the level of planning and preparation <laughs> required here, you know, it was like, OK, you know what we're going to do when this game is over and we win? We're going to go out. We're going to sit on the W and we're going to eat cheese. <laughs> like, I'm like, you know, yeah, it's I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, that's that. There was some planning involved there. Well, yeah. And Brad's the one that got our group ticket, our group, all the tickets. Like, it, yeah, was, yeah. you know, and, and so he picked those seats that were only like four rows back. And I, what I said, I said, oh, you know, if we win, that's perfect for going down on W. He's like, oh, yeah, that's that was part of the plan. And that was that was what's kind of weird about it. Like as we got closer to the game, like I just I I felt like we were gonna win, which I haven't felt like yeah. that in Apple Cups in a long time. 
And I mean, listen, when we did our predictions, I just sort of spur the moment was like, yeah, we're going to fucking win. And I was like, I almost surprised myself with how confident I was that we were going to win. And I was like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm in for this, you know? I know. And it, it just comes back to these guys are so resilient. They're, they're just, they just have, uh, just a confidence about them that they've overcome whatever who cares you dub they don't scare us like we're supposed to win that game and they think yep. they're supposed to beat everybody they were very yep. mad after oregon you know that um and really like they they made mistakes in that game that cost them the game but yep. against you dub they they've basically made no mistakes other than you know maybe not finishing all their drives but apparently that was all gravy anyway yeah uh just because it was an absolute obliteration. It's fun, you know, like like when they stomped Arizona State. By the end of the game, Arizona State had, like, gotten a bunch of yardage and, like, the the yardage looks even, all that stuff. But UW just had no point. No. Like, they had, a, like, a couple drives, but like you said, they were both short fields. And, and, but at no point did they look like they were going to seize control back at all. No. Cause we answered, we answered their scores with, you know, obviously we didn't answer the first one, but they got the ball back. We stopped them and then we scored. And yep. so it was, it, 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 you know, we didn't try there. I guess there wasn't enough time to try and score. And it's like, I don't know. We didn't do a good job managing that time on that final drive or whatever. Um, uh, you know, to, to end up with that long field goal. We definitely could have gotten yes. more out of that. That whole thing um, was a cluster fun. You know, you know what the best is? Who gives a fuck? We didn't need it. Like we just didn't matter out of them anyway. Like if, if if we came down and we lost by three points or whatever, we'd be so pissed about that drive. But guess what? We don't have to be pissed we about that didn't. drive. It Everything is good. Everything is awesome. Yep. We beat UW yep. by twenty seven points at Husky Stadium. That was yep. so awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, Washington uh in they only ran the ball 11 times for a total. Now, sorry, let me rephrase that. 11 designed runs for a total of 37 yards. Now, I know that their overall rushing yard total was 10 and that that a lot of that was a sack of Heward and then also they had a uh a messed up snap or something, right? Where uh, the ball went. They lost about 15 is- yards, so uh, I see JV on Sunday had one for negative two yards. Oh yeah. Well. Yeah. There we so go. Okay. 12 so, for 12 for 35, so 12 for 35, uh, which is, is pretty fucking good. So that's great. Um, yeah, they, they had, know, Heward had to only fumble. run the ball 12 times and have Heward throwing the ball 31. Uh, that's kind of the dream. <laughs> that's kind of the dream. 31 right passes for 190 yards. Yeah. Which that's, is bad. That's bad. Especially that bad. when you throw on four picks. <laughs> yes. Um, and they, they had, you know, their sack adjusted rush average was 1.8. Um, so that, that was bad. <laughs> um, you know, why, like, like we talked about, you know, their yards per play was 4.4. Um, I have not looked at our season stats, but I'm pretty sure that's a low, uh, for any of our opponents. Um, so yeah, yeah. just utter domination, uh, only 200 yards to our 454, um, really just, really just a total, total beat down, um, in every measurable way, which, you know, I just, I, w- I was so excited for the seniors, um, you know, just to be able to, to go out like this, you know, I mean, th- there's a number of guys who, you know, we, we've talked about all the challenges they've faced overall. So, 
you know, we don't need to rehash that, but you know, if we just take the apple cup in a vacuum, right. I mean, these guys have gotten their asses kicked repeatedly, um, in this game and, you know, 2008 or 2018 was the game that we all thought, okay, this is the one where it's going to change, you know, Gardner Minshew, our team is very, very good, et cetera, et cetera. And then everything was fucked up by the snow. And I, you know, I will go to my grave that if that game was in, you know, normal conditions that we win that game, but it wasn't. And so we ended up losing that game, uh, you know, fairly convincingly again. Uh, and so, you know, this team has just sort of like been through everything in this game. They, they haven't been close. Um, and, and they've, and, and frankly, they've just played really poorly. Like, it's not like they've just been the inferior team. I mean, there's been a number of times where they've been very good and they, they have not been competitive. And so, um, to go from that to this, um, just had to feel so good, you know, seeing Borgie, you know, smoking a cigar right in a, yeah. in a tunnel. I mean, there's that there's, you know, guys, you know, Travel Harris up on somebody's shoulders, um, you know, out on the field. I imagine you were, you know, fairly near that. It's just sort of like, you know, just they, it wasn't even so much like, like, like we talked about how these games are typically close. So even when we win them, uh, there's just, there's, there, there also seems to be almost more this sense of relief that they survived more than anything else. You know, not, not like, yeah, we kicked their ass more like, you know, whoa, wow, whoa, we survived and we won another one and this is great. That wasn't the case on Friday. Like they just, even after the game, when you looked at them, they were just like, fuck yeah, we were better. And we kicked their asses. Like that's like, there was just this, there was just this, uh, like this, this aura that they were giving off that was just like, no, we were the better team and we showed it and we kicked their asses. And that's, this is kind of how it should go. Um, that was just so cool and so fun to see. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah, you, you talked about the last two Apple cup. Well, I, even all the ones, if you go back to when I was, you know, since they broke the last six game losing streak, 2004, you know, they comes down the wire. UW pulls close late after WSU's up by quite a lot, makes it 28, 25, nail biting. Exactly. Oh, we survived. You know, 2005, they have to get that late touchdown from Trenton Harvey. Uh, 2007, late touchdown from Brandon Gibson. Uh, 2008, that miracle of a throw to Jared Karstetter. Uh, 2012, UW, they have to come back from 18, and then UW has to miss a very makeable field goal at the end yep. of regulation. And and so, yeah, it's like we just survived. But this one is, since my time as a Kook fan, which is my freshman year of 2003, I've never seen us put it on the Huskies like this. No. It, like never. it was it's so it it was just like this feeling when I was in the stadium like it was just like I I am seeing something that is just incredible. Like it's just I it, it, I I was just trying to appreciate it, you know, like I just this, this is this is insane. I think I said that like a million times. Like this is insane. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. This is insane. Yep. Cuz like my, even though I picked, I think I picked a 10 point win. you picked like a t- three touchdown win, my v- vision of when I was walking in the stadium of like how we were going to win was going to be like a late score or a late stop or something. And then we were going to just, you know, be like on pins and needles, but it was just like, it was so fun because it was a goddamn like celebration for so long. Cause they were, you know, after that third quarter, it was just, 
I mean, at that point, you're just enjoying the fact that you are beating the shit out of them at that point. Maybe you're not convinced that it's over, but it's just like, we're up 30 to seven right now on UW. Like, this is awesome. You know, we're up 23 to seven and Dion McIntosh goes and scores and gives Butch a hug. Yeah. And like all the cool, like so much like. Like awesome shit was happening, you know. Max Borgie got a couple touchdowns, yeah, who, which is awesome. His last regular season game, and then you know it's it's it 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 was just like I I hope we have more experiences like that at UW. Yep. But I I, I have a feeling that one's gonna hold up for a while. <laughs> um, or in yeah, any we're Apple gonna be Cup talking really. about this one for a while. Yeah, and. Yep. And, and the fact that it was like a streak breaker too just makes it feel so much better just because we were just at this point with this game, you know, not that long ago where we're like, this is not, we're never going to win this game. Like I will never, ever pick us to win this game. And now it's like the Apple cup has this whole new life to it again. Like it's a, it's a rivalry again. It's, it, it can be something that is fun again. Instead of just something where you have to endure the Cougs getting their ass kicked and then endure your local Husky friends uh, talking shit, you know. So it's it, it's it's really cool to just beat the ever living shit out of them. I love that some of them got offended that we rushed their field. Um, that's just part of the deal, man. That's part of the rivalry. It's a tradition. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so what a what a kick ass day. What what just like an an epic day and and um even just to i can imagine like watching on tv like on tv at the game i didn't know that dion mactosh hugged butch and i didn't know that Jaden delora posed and so even if you watch on tv you're seeing us just being like the fucking the badasses like doing all the fun stuff uh oh we're just God. you know jumping around and yeah and, and then and then i'll say you know like i you know i look at twitter and someone's like you gotta you gotta penalty for hugging and i was like what what is what does that mean yeah <laughs> you know? yeah but, the uh, pose was amazing no uh, the pose was so good I, also why is that a penalty <laughs> i think probably because he used the ball as a prop i think that's the the situation right he put the ball under his head like a pillow um i think that was what i think that was what got it but but still it's it's hilarious like it's just absolutely it was hilarious. worth it yeah, absolutely worth it. And like, okay, hugging, hugging the mascot is a penalty. Like, I don't know the NCAA because the mascot is also a prop. This. You know, I know we've established this many times over how stupid these rules are, um, and how how really just sort of like, yeah, we could go down a long road about yeah. who they're really targeted at. So yeah. I'll just leave it at that. But yeah. um, yeah, it's 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 fairly silly and it's it's pretty hilarious and uh, yeah, it's the I think the best part is exactly what you said, which is. Um, you know, they did it and we also went, eh, <laughs> that's funny because we were kicking because it truly didn't fucking matter. Um, that, that was, that, that I think was, you know, by far, by far, by far the best part. So, yep. So just awesome to see, uh, you know, Armani Marsh, who was a former walk on, have a great game and then awesome yeah, for all those cool seniors, especially the guys that came back, use their extra year yeah. of eligibility yep. that they got. To, yep. They've just done nothing but lose jihad and 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 other guys just get the get that win finally Liam. I mean, uh, this was really the one thing missing from their resume, right? Yep. Like, 
Like they they were on the verge of graduating without ever beating Washington. Like not even just beating, but being competitive, as we talked about. Um, for them to come out and and really just do it uh, was just it was remarkable and awesome. And um, I'm so glad that you know they get to put that in their back pocket. You know, yeah, they they lost and lost and lost and lost to Washington, but they walk out with their last thing being the biggest beatdown of Washington that the program has ever had. Um, that that's a hell of a, that's a hell of a thing to put in your back pocket as you, as you head out into the real world. And, and none of us will ever shut up about it. So no, no, we will not shut up about it ever. (laughs) Remember that time when our quarterback waved a flag and planted it right on your W. Yeah. That was fucking great. Yeah. That was great. Like, like I cannot wait. I cannot wait to go to school tomorrow and go to the rooms of, of the Huskies and just sort of smile. Like, like I'm not even going to taunt them. I'm just going to stick my head in. I'm going to smile. I'm going to wink. And that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to walk away. It's going to be great. It's going to be the best thing ever. Because they've been writing the scores on whiteboards and shit for years. And I'm not, I'm not even going write, to write the score on their whiteboard. I'm just going to like stick my head in and smile. Be like, how you doing? Give them a wink and walk away. Yeah. Um, strangely, that that's all the questions I had for uh, for the Apple Cup. I guess you guys just figured we would talk. Yeah, about Yeah, there's there's a lot more questions about the new coach, man. Yeah, and basketball. <laughs> and basketball. Uh, uh, but yeah, so um, I guess uh, yeah, awesome stuff. Uh, what a day! What a legendary yeah. day! Uh, I'm glad we have this podcast where we get to talk about it. Also, it was pretty fun. Um, you know, a lot of people knew who I was. And so I got to have a lot of cool conversations with a lot of our listeners. So if I talk to you, thanks for talking to me. And it was really fun. Yeah. Um, so uh, way to go, everyone. And go Cougs. That was awesome. Fuck the Huskies. And let's, right. maybe, let's maybe take a break. That's a good time for that. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we're back. Oh, man, Jeff. I, I'll tell you, one of the things I was really looking forward to is like having a good beer to celebrate uh, mm. the win. You know, obviously I had my 2012 mm-hmm. Fremont B-Bomb, which I got to drink. Uh, but also, uh, we, you know, we just kind of went to these couple bars, this like bar in Eastlake that, where we parked, where we were parked. But I think it would have been really cool to go to like a Coug bar uh, after yes. that. Um, I bet anyone who did that, you know, it, like if I was in Ellensburg, I think I would have went to Pretty Fair Beer because I'm sure they yeah. were pretty excited there. I bet they were. Yeah. So, um, and obviously they have great beer there. Uh, 
I uh, maybe maybe we'll get a, a stop there when we head over for the basketball game. I don't know. Ooh, you know uh, I like that idea. That might, that might be an option. You can take the yeah. whole fam with you, of course. Yes. As I'm riding, yes. I'm riding in the in, in the in the big big uh, what is that a, a big Tahoe or something? <laughs> yes, it's, it's a Tahoe. Yeah, yep. yeah. So uh, you know, um, riding with you guys, maybe we'll stop at Pretty Fair Beer, get some food. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, especially if we, we could see Tyler, maybe give him a nice big high five about that apple cup. Yeah. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, and honestly, that uh, I I want to go back there. They have such good beer. Um, I want to have more of their food. Uh, I've had a couple things there. I've had the buffalo chicken sandwich. I've had the mac and cheese with pulled pork. Both very good things. Um, uh, and I know they have wine and stuff. And I think they were doing some like obviously it's too late for that but they were doing specials on their wine for black friday and everything um so i'd, I'd watch out you know for that but they, they have they have a lot of good wines there a lot of good beer obviously i like to take away beer from there they have a good cooler full of beer and then of course you know all i think about is they're owned by Coogs. so what a what a great place that would have been uh to be at for uh for the apple cup if you couldn't make it over to seattle if you live in central washington and you needed a place to watch it but it would have been amazing and now you can do that for the basketball games like the usc game on saturday so um pretty fair beer uh, we've said it over and over again uh great spot owned by coogs proudly run by coogs um great spot for craft beer and food in downtown ellensburg uh check them out pretty fair beer yeah. Well, Jeff, uh, what is your pretty fair beer beer of the day? Yeah, well, uh, since I was so I as I mentioned, you know, I watched the game with some friends. Uh, we went up to Flat Stick Pub in uh, South Lake Union. Nice. Which is the first time I've been to that one. Well, if you would have um, stayed long great. enough, you would have seen some of my some of our friends like Brad and them went down there after. Oh, shit. You would have stayed. Yeah, that would have been great. Um, but yeah, I, we, we left and went to salt and straw to get some ice cream in. Nice. So anyway, uh, so yeah, that's where I was during the game. So I did not have the privilege of doing what you did, which is having a big, you know, celebration beer at the end. Um, so instead I am having my celebration beer now and I am having, uh, this Holy mountain sunless year that I've had in my fridge for, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think I, I want to say I got it like last spring, maybe. Nice. Um, so it's kind of been sitting in there for a little while. So this is uh, the oak fermented Baltic Porter. Um, it is, you know, as you would expect from Holy Mountain, um, incredibly tremendous. Uh, I, I, I'm very much enjoying celebrating with this beer, uh, which I was I was kind of letting age, and I was planning on letting it age just uh, a bit longer. But uh, I thought, yeah, this is this is the right one, man. Our, our sunless years of winning the apple cup are over and uh and so that that seemed like an excellent thematic choice uh for tonight yeah baltic porter one of my favorite styles basically just a yes. like a big black lager just a big yep. high high abv black lager uh delicious stuff i love sunless here as well i have yep. i think i, I have a couple of those downstairs it's, um, fantastic. it's a great beer um i am having uh uh, the arch nemesis uh, of Holy Mountain uh, f- from Floodland Brewing. Ooh, um, beer be- fight! Beer fight! Um, beheld and betide. So, just a quick backstory there: uh, the the brewer that the owner brewer at Floodland started at Holy Mountain. 
Um, not really sure why. They had some disagreements. He left, started his own thing, uh, this Floodland Brewing. Uh, so that's that's why why I said the Arch Nemesis thing. So yep. be uh, this is beheld and betide because uh, we beheld something. Uh, betide's a weird word. Um, uh, I think it's usually um, used in the phrase "woe betide." So we betided some woe on U Dub. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but this is a, a single wart wheat saison. That means they didn't. Um, they didn't. Uh, he does a lot of blending, so he didn't blend two different things. He just this is one, one brew. Um, so wheat saison brew with dandelion flowers and fermented in oak. So it's very good. Um, it was created from well-aged mixed culture saison brewed with raw wheat, malted barley, and hop and dandelion flowers in spring of 2020. Uh, very good. Just a nice, nice balanced, delicious saison. Um, good funkiness. Definitely has a kind of the trademark kind of floodland funk. I'm really enjoying it. Taking down the whole 750. Um, and the beauty of floodland is that uh, their stuff is not too highly acidic, like a lot of kind of sour beers. And so I'm actually, I don't even have the Tums over here and I'm taking down this whole 750 myself. So, uh, flood and brewing. I also have, if, if, you know, if I still, if we're still talking, um, a beer called yacht party from Charlestown <laughs> fermentary, which I thought was pretty fitting. Um, yeah. I know the, uh, the WSU official pregame was a was a yacht party they Ooh. they um had some friends some that did that and, yeah so uh we took over the sailgating too so suck it fuck yeah we did all right but yeah uh good beers for a great win that we've been waiting for our entire coog lives yeah. um so yeah and then uh directly on the heels of that uh the very next day um, something that was kind of expected at that point, right? Uh, was yeah. that uh, Jake Dicker was named officially head coach, given a five-year contract. Um, so he's the guy now. Uh, and Jeff, uh, I'm just gonna give you the floor on this. <laughs> what? Why would you do that? Because I have strong feelings about it, or something. So um, let me just prompt you, though. Yeah. So, yeah. I know you've had you have some reservations. I you know I'm I don't disagree with much of it. I, like I'm, I agree with a lot of it too. Um, maybe just don't feel as strongly as you do. Um, but uh, but yeah. So what is it about what you saw in these last five games that maybe gives you pause going forward? Not taking in we can talk about his credentials and everything, but just from a tactical uh you know what he does on the field yeah what what might you kind of spoke about on twitter like what give, what yeah. gives you some pause there i mean look defensive coaches defensive forward coaches have a, a certain profile that they typically fit right so it's it's things like this it's okay so they 
they typically are wanting to control the line of scrimmage and that, and, and they want to be physical, right? Like, like these are, because these are things that they preach defensively. Like we, like if we're going to be a successful defense, we've got to do these things, right? We got to be physical up front. We got to control the line of scrimmage, blah, blah, blah. So that, so then they take that viewpoint that, that, that sort of worldview. And then they also apply it to their offense and, and so you see coach after coach after coach who is a defensive coach um, generally, and it's not true 100% of the time, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll talk about a couple of um, counter examples here in a sec, but in general, you know, defensive minded coaches are going to expect their offenses to do certain things. They're going to want them to be uh, run forward. They're going to want them to be physical. They're going to want them to, um, not you know get cute they're like and they're going to want to control the ball they're going to want to control the clock they're going to want to protect the defense like they're they're just you know they're coming at it from a defensive point of view and you know as as, as you and I as people who live you know near Seattle and are Seahawks fans you know we've watched the Seahawks do this for a decade under Pete Carroll right where it's like okay this is how we're going to play football like we're going to do it this very specific way and at WSU we have had long tradition of coaches being offensive innovators and, and really being sort of like on the cutting edge of, uh, you know, in, in particular passing. Right. But, but just sort of like being innovative. Um, it, what I saw under Dickard in the, in, in his five games was a, a, a pretty clear shift toward essentially that defensive coach mentality, which is, you know, we're going to run the ball. Right. We're going to run the ball over and over and over. Um, we are going to dominate the line of scrimmage and the percentages were, you know, fairly out of line with where they were in the first seven games. So, you know, through the first seven games, you know, they were running the ball about 30 to 40 percent of the time generally. Um, and then our Dicker, you know, they, some of it was, was more, some of it was less. Um, but there were a couple of games where they were over 50% runs and, and really just seem to be, um, emphasizing the run more. Now I, I don't have a complete data set. I, I think the thing that would be the most illuminating would be to look at, um, you know, how many times they're running the ball in early downs, right. Yep. And, and how many times they're running the ball in what we would consider passing downs and things like that. Right. So like second and long, you know, were they still running the ball, things like that. I haven't had a chance to dig into that sort of granular of a level, but just sort of from the thousand foot view, um, they, they definitely were skewing more toward the run than, than they ever had under Rolovich. And I know there, there are, you know, a number of people who have said to me, you know, Hey, they, well, they were ahead against Arizona and against Washington, they were dominating. So of course they were going to run the ball more. Okay, fine. Except we were ahead against a number of teams when Rolovich was in charge, you know, Oregon state, uh, Cal, Portland state, you know, these are games where we were playing from in front and, and we stayed in Stanford and we still were not running the ball to, to this proportion. We were still running the ball about 40% of the time or less. So, um, so I, I think there's a pretty clear indicator there that, um, you know, this guy is, as we would expect a, a defensive minded coach, who's going to approach things from a, from a defensive perspective. He's going to want to be physical. He's going to want to control the line of scrimmage. It, it's not merely, it wasn't merely game state and it wasn't merely, um, you know, trying to take advantage of a team's weakness. Um, that, that is a thing that he is going to emphasize. 
and and that is a thing that I am I'm really skeptical of from from a WSU perspective um, that we can you know essentially recruit the kinds of players that are needed to run that kind of a system um, that and and I'm not even talking like system specifics I'm just talking like philosophically to recruit guys to be able to to carry out that kind of philosophy um, you know obviously there are guys who can do it. Um, who have been success, you know, defensive guys who've done, you know, Bob Stoops is sort of the, the OG of that, right? Like, like he gets hired at Oklahoma, he hires Mike Leach, right? And, and they, they had a long history under him of having, you know, pretty open spread offenses that are designed um, to score points. He just kind of looked at, he was a defensive coordinator and he just kind of looked at it like, okay, what are the offenses that give me the most trouble? That's what I want to do. Um, you know, and there are other guys too, who, who were able to do that. I mean, Nick Saban, has, you know, come up and, and realized like, hey, you know, this is this is how we have to play now. If we if we want to do this, um, you know, we got to be, you know, they're, they're still going to be run the ball effectively, but um, but they, they need to open it up and they need to spread it out and they need to be explosive. Um, so but I don't know that those things are necessarily, you know, super um, illustrative. Right. I mean, those are like teams that 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 land you know, really good players, really, really good players, the kinds of players WSU doesn't, doesn't land. I, I think looking at teams like Cal and maybe Utah are in, more instructive for WSU. You know, Cal has really struggled, really, really, really struggled with a defense first mentality. They just have not been able to get the offense right. And, and I worry that WSU will kind of be like that if this is really where Dickert wants to go um, because he, he really did flip the offense in terms of what it was emphasizing run versus pass midstream, right? Same offensive coordinator. I mean, it's a different, different guy calling the plays from, you know, Stutzman, whatever, but, um, but, but the same offense and the same offensive personnel and, and he, and WSU flipped it. Right. And, and that really truly only comes from the coach. So, so there's that you could look at Utah. Utah has obviously had some success playing in that way, right. Under, under Whittingham. Um, but I think Utah is is maybe not as comparable just because they they are able to get guys who can play in that kind of a philosophy that that I'm not sure we're going to be able to get. They're in Salt Lake City, you know, huge Mormon population, obviously, um, which, which allows them to get into the living rooms of, of 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 poly players, you know, all you know, essentially in in Hawaii and Samoa and in Utah as well. That, that maybe WCU is not able to get in with. So I, I'm not sure that replicating Utah's situation is really, is really viable. So th- that's all to say, I'm just like Digger clearly kind of had a philosophy of, you know, doing the defensive coach thing um, that played out in the Apple cup with some of the decisions he made to punt it or kick field goals or whatever. Um, I, I'm skeptical that that can be successful long-term uh, for WSU, but, just because we haven't seen that be successful for us. I, 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 you know, I'm not going to say it can't be, but we just haven't seen it. What we have seen is um, offensive innovators be successful. And so until I see what Dickert's going to do with his offensive coordinator and things like that, and, and in terms of who he tries to add in the transfer portal, I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm reserving judgment, but I'm also skeptical that, um, that we're going to, that we're going to do, do the kind of thing that, has been successful for us over the years. I know, I know that was probably much longer of a rant than you were looking for, but, um, but, but that's, that's kind of where my brain is at right now. Yeah. And I, you know, a little bit, I wonder if it, you know, I do think he'll, he'll be definitely more run first. WSU did play a string of defenses that were much better yes. defending the pass. 
Yes, um, no doubt about that. So you know, the optimistic side is that they just hopefully they just saw that because uh, it was really kind of endemic in the Pac-12, where at which is truly a product of recruiting and the recruits that we get is that they have really good pass defenses typically. And also for years, it was such a passing league. It's not at yes. all anymore. The, I the think Pac-12 that's is the bigger thing. Not a passing league. Uh, like yep. you look at Jaden Delora who led the conference in yards and touchdowns with like 2,723, you know? So like, it's not a passing league anymore. Um, definitely a lot of teams that run. Uh, so, but it just seems like the the defenses haven't caught up there, and so maybe maybe they saw that as an opportunity. Maybe Rolovich wasn't letting them do it, and and uh, and then they said, "Well, we're going to do it now. Um, now that uh, you know, now that I'm in charge." Uh, um, so maybe that's a possibility. But yeah, I do think I what I'm more concerned about than having a running offense. I hope if if you know so. Um, uh, we got a question. Uh, I'll just add, just because we're around this. Uh, um, well, first, Jeff, I, I got from Garrett Foster, G Foster Fit. Why do Why do you hate yep. Jake Dickert? Um, <laughs> yes. Why do we hate him? Um, well, I think it's you specifically. I, yeah, it was uh, meant to be. It was meant to be sarcastic. I think as well. But. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Uh, so I definitely saw something about. Okay, do you foresee a change in uh, you just covered that Casey Ferguson at Ferguson Casey, do you foresee a change in offensive philosophy system or do we keep the run and shoot and emphasize the run? Um that I'm not sure about. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either. Uh I I could see him doing that just because Jaden uh seems to have gotten that down pretty well. Um so maybe he'll but he, he also is going to want to hire his guys and maybe he doesn't want to hire Brian Green or whatever, you know? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I would, I would lean toward him hiring someone else, honestly. Yeah. I've, I've kind of talked myself into both, um, which, you know, of course is, is pretty classic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> fan behavior, but I, I, so the offense was really fucking good three out of the last four games. Now, as you mentioned, part of that is, you know, Arizona state, Arizona, Washington, not great teams. So maybe there's something in there, but you know, you put up 40 on Washington and you left some points on the board, you know, you put up 40 plus against Arizona um, and you left some points on the board, right? Like, like you just kind of go back. Okay. Oregon didn't go great, but whatever, Oregon's good. So, okay. You know, I think as much as we think that, the last five games were an audition for Jake Dickert. There was always a sense. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not like going to tap dance around this. There was always a sense that if Dickert was successful, he, he had a really legitimate shot at keeping the job. And if, if we knew that, then Brian Smith certainly yeah, knew that. I did Brian that, Green again. I said it. Again. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but Brian Smith certainly knew that. Right. So 
you know, not only was Dickert auditioning for the job, but Smith was also auditioning for a job with the guy who was auditioning, auditioning for the job. Right. And so I think what he showed and look, I mean, run and shoot guys have, have not always just been, you know, pure run and shoot. I mean, Nick Rolovich went off and was an offense coordinator at Nevada for, you know, a handful of years and tried to, you know, sort of blend, you know, pistol concepts with the run and shoot. And and it wasn't real successful, but it's, it's not unusual for a guy to go and do something a little bit different, blend some concepts and, and become a slightly different guy. Um, I would not be shocked. You know, the the more I've thought about it, the more the more I think I've come to the conclusion. I would not be shocked if, if Smith stays. I mean, they've 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 got a good thing going with Delora. Um, they've shown that they can be effective doing it the way that Dickert wants to do it. Um, that it's that you know moving away from you know running the ball you know thirty to forty percent of the time to running the ball you know fifty percent of the time because I mean look you know Arizona State Oregon Arizona Washington here are our run percentages in those four games 57 31 54 52 now again that's you could say that's game state but look Utah State we were ahead for the majority of that game 25 percent run Portland State 40 percent right uh Cal 35 percent Oregon State 32 percent like you cannot argue that something different Stanford 43 percent like you cannot argue that something different right has taken place over the last you know four to five games so smith has shown that he will carry out what dickard is asking for and they've scored a lot of points doing it so you know maybe he really does get to stay and it's not necessarily required that that you fill out the staff with run and shoot guys because you're not maybe necessarily going to run a pure run and shoot system anymore and i think that was the worry right like there are so few guys who really run a pure run and shoot that you know, trying to find the guys to fill out your staff was really tough. I mean, we hired, you know, two, two guys in their sixties, right. To come in and try to fill out the staff when Rolovich got fired. So, um, you know, maybe you don't actually like, like think the thought was that's okay. Well, that's what you got to have. If you're gonna stick with the run and shoot, you know, maybe, maybe that's not what you have to have if, if Smith stays on. Yeah. And yeah, I could definitely see that too with, with, with Jaden. It's just, it's always hard to tell. I mean, I don't. Obviously, we're just going by what we the few things we've For seen sure. in public. But yep. Dicker doesn't seem like a big ego guy. You got to be a little bit of ego guy to be in this position. Yes, but, you do. Um, no doubt. So, but he also doesn't seem like a guy. He just hasn't. I mean, this is his first head coaching job. Like he he doesn't have an offensive philosophy, so he might just adopt you know adapt to one. So yep. So he's already got this thing. So why change it? You know. Uh, and, and like you said, we, you have a very good young quarterback and you probably don't want to screw that up by, you know, throwing yep. him in a whole new system, all that. So, you know, I kind of I kind of hope that he, uh, you know, people can think of whatever they want about Smith in the last few weeks. But I mean, they've done pretty well. Uh, and if we're going to run the ball, I hope it's out of a spread offense. I don't I I would be really uncomfortable if we were going under center and and trying yes. to traditionally run. So if we're going to run the ball half the time or more, let's do it out of a spread, please. Cause that's, we're going to be able to recruit guys better that can succeed in that versus, um, you know, a traditional under, under center eye formation, single back, whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, so I probably lean that I want to do that. I just, I'm not sure if, if, you know, what, what Dickard stays, we don't really know that much about him, honestly. No, um, we don't. 
I so in terms of I don't think this is really what you were asking, Casey, but uh, when you just say philosophy, and this is what you were alluding to, and what I'm most concerned about is the fourth down stuff, the punting, yep. the field goals. Yep. WSU yep. is a program on the margins at all times. They're either on the margin of being very good, or they're on the margin of being very bad, or on the mar- the margin of bowl game, whatever. Like they're always seem to be on some sort of margin. And I want a coach that's going to find find a niche, find find a, a, an advantage that maybe other coaches aren't using. So one thing I really liked about what Rolovich was doing was the going forward on fourth down relentlessly because that was going to pay off. That pays off over time. Um, you know, maybe it fails once, but if, if it fails, t- fails once and you get the touchdown the next time, then you got seven points instead of maybe getting six because it's college kickers. Right. You might not get six. Right. Uh, and so that worries me. Like I don't, I want a coach that's going to go for it on fourth and three from the 23 or fourth and five from the 45. Like I want a coach that's not going to punt from there. Um, Defensive coaches tend to be very conservative. Yep. And so that's things and it's frustrating. Yep. So one thing that maybe, maybe Dickert just, he's got his first head coaching job and he goes and studies and, and, you know, does a lot of things and wants to make sure he does well and finds some new things. He's still very young and, and he doesn't have an offensive philosophy, really. He's just kind of going by what. So maybe he learns a few things in the offseason. I don't know. Whatever. But, yeah, yeah. that that concerns me. Because uh, even, even, like, the average coach these days understands the value of going for it sometimes. And, you know, going for it on the, you know, on the around midfield. Going for it on fringe field goal territory. You know, 40-plus, whatever. Yep. Uh, you know, 40 plus yard field goal. So uh, it, that's, or going for it inside the five, you know, things like that. Um, yep. So that's, that's, that's a bigger thing that, that worries me more than a, us going to like a 55% running, um, which could suck. Uh, but if they do it out of a spread, I think we can get the guys to run it. Maybe not right. We're not running it as well as Oregon, um, but maybe we run it well. Uh I just feel like it's all related, right? Like, like these things are like, these things are not independent of each other, right? The decision to run the ball 50% of the time, the decision to not, you know, to, to kick field well, I mean, goals, the decision Chip, to Chip Kelly it, runs you know, the ball. These things are all related. Chip Kelly runs the ball 50 plus percent of the time. And he, he, he goes for it all the time. He doesn't kick field goals. Like, but Chip Kelly's a fundamentally offensive guy. Yeah, of course. But I'm just saying like, just cause you're running the ball doesn't mean you're gonna be like that. But but we do know Cristobal is, is, is he he is definitely not as aggressive as Kelly was at Oregon, and yep. and and he's they're obviously still running the ball a ton there. That's just kind of their that's their identity, yep. uh, which you could talk about our program identity, and I think is about to change quite a bit now. Um, but yep. uh, but uh, yeah, so there's definitely some things philosophy wise, uh, tactics wise, uh, that worry me a bit. Um, I think they even played out against UW a bit. I think we probably could have stomped them even more. Maybe yep. he's just afraid of giving them a little thing. But honestly, like, was I, I'm glad that you know Dean made four or five. But did you feel yeah. good about any of those? Like, I, no. I mean, like, there was no art. There was no evidence to suggest that on fourth and three, fourth and four, fourth and five, that that Washington could stop us, right? Like, and that's the part that 
sort of bugged me. And I'm like, oh, well, and people say things like, well, your, your defense is playing so well. And I'm like, well, fucking fine. If our defense is playing so well, then let's go for why are you points. worried about. Yeah, yeah. Why are you worried about giving them the ball at the 50 yard line then? <laughs> like, like if our defense is so great, then our defense won't have a problem defending a 50 yard field. I, you know, it just I think a lot of this just comes down to, um, you know, I, so, some of it, I think, is just, you know, good practice. Like you're talking about, like, you know, coaches understanding when to go for it and when not to and that sort of conventional wisdom is being turned on its head so i I think there's certainly a part of that in wondering if you know some of this may be you know some inexperience right i mean we saw inexperience on that last drive in the first half like that was a fucking train wreck yeah like you know like running the ball and then uh just letting you know 30 seconds run off the clock without calling a timeout just just yeah it's almost like they were afraid to give the ball back totally so total mess you know i i'm sure he will get better at that um, he seems like a smart dude. He seems like a thoughtful, curious guy. Um, so if I'm trying to be, you know, as, as charitable as possible, um, you know, I think maybe he'll figure that out. But, you know, some of the other stuff, it's just kind of like, you know, are you, I don't, I don't know, like, like what, are, are you going to coach scared? Like, that's kind of how some of it seemed. Now, maybe that was unfair, um, but that's how it seemed. And, you know, maybe some of this also is just bias like like i will fully admit i have a bias toward passing forward offenses i loved running the air raid and i know that wasn't the case for everyone right like like we had plenty of fans that were like you know i I don't know like there was a guy that i was talking with on twitter about um about the whole you know run pass philosophy and um you know and he he sent back a, a a tweet at one point that said you know, basically, oh man, this is, this is what we were begging for, for years under Leach is to run the ball a whole bunch when blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, maybe you were, I wasn't <laughs> like, I'm like, no. yeah, let's throw the fucking ball. Like, like, I don't even care, you know, third and five late in a game with it, with a tenuous lead. Yeah. Throw it. That's what we do. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I know a lot of people did. So I understand that some of this is just personal preference, personal bias, um, as to what kind of football, we, we each want to see and that there are people who want to see, um, you know, football from 20 to 25 years ago. And then there's people like me who want to see, you know, the football of today where we are, you know, being passing forward and spread and, um, you know, maybe taking advantage of the kinds of guys we can get to Pullman. I, you know, I, again, th- there's no there's no reason why essentially that Dickert can't what, whatever it is that we are assuming about him uh, in terms of running and philosophy and things like that. Um, and some of that, by the way, has to do with his, his, the tree that he comes from, right? I mean, he's a Craig bowl disciple. So, okay. Well, Craig bowl is, you know, I mean, he runs a very, you know, particular, you know, defensive minded ball control, physical type, uh, style at, at Wyoming, you know, so, so we try to put all these pieces together, but you know, there's nothing that says it can't be successful. It's just that it hasn't right. Like when we've been successful, we have been offense forward. We have been innovative. Um, we, we have done things offensively that other schools, uh, maybe have been reluctant to try. And that is just sort of, I think, part of who we are as Cougs. And so maybe, you know, again, maybe Dickert can, can do something different and be successful, but man, we just haven't seen it. And, and that scares me. Yeah, and so that uh, ties in with the question. Uh, Little David at Jedi Ghost Barity Two, are y'all ready for the power run and shoot? Uh, I think you just got your yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, so if hey, if it looks like if it looks like it has over the last four games, then probably. Yeah, yeah. Do we have Max Borgie next year too? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, Nakia Watson, is he, is he Max Borgie, Dion McIntosh? Is he, yeah. you know, maybe is, you know, are we, you know, we're getting Renard Bell back is, you know, him plus Joey Hobart. Is that a winning combo on the inside? Like a lot of questions, a lot of questions. So speaking of a lot of questions, uh, Brittany Punchbowl turd at Let's Get Brit. Uh, mm. A lot of questions in here from her. Um, yes. Uh, first of all, why didn't you find me and say hi? Well, because I didn't know you were there. But you said yeah. sarcasm. I know. What's I wrong out with there. you? But um, uh, WSU, the best team in Washington State or the world? Yeah, uh, we'll I'll say just the go world. We won't. Now nah, we'll go the world because we won Apple <laughs> Cup. Um, Dickert checks. To me, checks all the boxes of recruiting, which is huge and unknown. How do you think we'll do at that? Uh, I So the recruiting is one thing. Um, very skeptical about his ability to put together a staff. Yes. Is probably my bigger concern, which ties directly to recruiting. So Yes. Um, I think he himself has the ability to be a good recruiter. Yes. Uh, when I listen to him talk, I'm like, yeah, all yeah. right, I'm impressed. Yeah, but, Which, but he I, and I understand that has a lot to do with why so many of our fans are excited about him. Yeah. Right? When you hear him talk, you know, it sounds pretty good. But it's, it's it, that was what we were worried about with Rolovich, too. You know, like yep. uh, a good staff can make or break you. We talk about all the time. Leach's best years are built on the back of, you know, Ken Wilson and Joe Salavea and then. Yep. And, and like and uh you know just a good staff play mcguire yeah. you know those guys yeah uh, so um you know all the guys that are probably going to be coaching at usc and oregon now um yeah <laughs> uh so um another question who do you think coaches you dub next year probably that fresno guy yeah <laughs> that's what DeBoer. it sounds like um that's what interesting do you, what do you think of that it's yeah it's interesting i i, I don't know like I, I hope he sucks but i think he'll probably be yeah. fine I, I mean, I don't have strong feelings on it. I don't think he's going to be a like, disaster. I think it'll probably be better than Lake. <laughs> like I, I'm just, I'm just such a believer in the cast system of college football. Like I, like, I don't know, man, at 45, it's, it's awfully tough to think that, you know, for these programs, man, you, you just sort of are who you are. And it's really, 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 really tough to move into a different area. Um, you know, Oregon has pushed itself up into that area, but you know, if you think about it, I mean, it's taken them 20 plus years to do that. Like it's taken a long, long time for them to push themselves up and they're still not quite there. Right. I mean, they're not, they're not in the Oregon state, Alabama, Georgia realm. Like they're not in that area. Ohio state is right? what you meant to say. Ohio obviously. state. That's what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I had this big beer, Craig. <laughs> um, so it, it it's just, they're not in that realm. Right. So it's very, very tough to push in different areas. And, and, and I'll even say also, it's, it sort of goes the other direction. I, I think it's pretty tough to like drop out of the area that you're in. So like, it's sort of like, you know, can you hire a guy who simply doesn't screw it up? Um, and Washington, obviously with the last guy hired somebody who screwed it up. Um, so is this the guy who, you know, can come in and, and maybe not screw it up? Um, you know, and you look at Chris Peterson, like Chris Peterson, you know, didn't generate all that different results from Don James. Like it just sort of is, you know, you are who you, Don James, you know, generated results that weren't all that different from a number of guys who came before him. So, you know, you kind of are who you are and you know, there's, you know, this guy is, is probably going to do what, what they all do, which is be, you know, pretty good and 
contend for Pac-12 championships and recruit at a pretty decent level and, you know, probably not win a national championship, but probably go to a Rose Bowl at some point. Like, I don't know, man. These like, it's just kind of what Washington is, um, you know, so I'm, I, whatever, you know, they'll probably be fine. And, you know, we'll probably be facing an uphill battle with Dickert or anybody else that we would have hired. So, yeah. So, um, we got a couple questions similar. So the rest of Brittany's question, um, any insights on who the assistant coaches will be? My thought nope. is Dickert's contract will be light so we can spend big <laughs> on assistance. Do you agree? Uh, so, and then another question is, uh, uh, let me see. Um, uh, from M Kids, stay again. Salary predictions for Dicker and how he changes the offense going forward. We already talked about that. Um, and then yeah. who would who would uh, Pod versus everyone would have rather seen be the head coach? Um, so on salary, um, they they gave Rollo more money than I thought they would. Uh, yeah. But I, I got to think, like, Dickert's around two and a half. I mean, he doesn't have the experience that Rolo does. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure they'll give him money for assistance. But the problem is you have to have that network of assistance yes. to hire. Like, yep, it doesn't yep, matter yep. if you got – otherwise, you're just going to be paying kind of unproven guys. So yep. uh, that's what I'm more worried about is his network of assistance because he's, he's, he's young and, you know, he's only – this is only his uh, – uh, second year at a power five program. He was at Wyoming. He was at a lot of other smaller programs. So I yep. don't know what his, uh, I don't know what his network's like. And that, that's, that's, that's what I worry about more than the money. I think they'll give him plenty of money to get the assistance he wants. Yep. Uh, just, uh, hopefully they are worth the money. Um, yeah. And I think never, he'll be around two and a half million. Never coached at a power five until yep. he was with us. Um, and, and I think more significant than that is the tree that he comes from is not a power five tree either, right? Like he's in that Craig bowl tree, which is again, Craig bowl is a really good coach. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, denigrating him at all. But what I am saying is, you know, he's a guy who has been, you know, FCS and, and mountain West conference. Um, you know, the guys that have coached under him are, are in that same realm. Um, you know, I, I, I get, <laughs> you know, coaches hire guys that they know. Um, we see that over and over and over again. Um, it's part of the reason why we have, you know, such a huge problem in, in football coaching with honestly, with white guys dominating the sport because it's like people hire guys that they know and they hire guys that they're comfortable with and they, they, whatever. So, you know, there's just, even if Dickert was inclined to hire somebody that he didn't know, but that, you know, maybe Craig bowl knew that was, Hey, Craig bowl goes, you know, Hey, you should check out this guy and, and I'll, you know, connect you guys. Um, you, that's just not, you know, even, even guys that Craig Bolnos are not generally going to be, you know, those kinds of guys. So again, it, it's not necessarily problematic, but we have a history of guys, um, struggling in that, that situation. Paul Wolf struggled in that situation. Nick Rolovich struggled in that situation with, you know, recruiting in particular. Um, and then we had, of course, as you mentioned, the, the flip side of Leach, which is Leach, you know, went out and got a bunch of guys from power five schools to come up guys that he had coached with guys that he had, uh, coached as players, 
you know, kind of brought him up and, and all of a sudden you saw, you know, and so many of those guys now have gone on to other programs, you know, um, Grinch has gone on to obviously to Oklahoma state. And then, you know, it sounds like to USC, but, um, Dennis Simmons, you know, you mentioned Ken Wilson, Jim Mastro, uh, Clay McGuire, like, like these are all guys who are on a level that, that Rolovich did not add to his staff. And so when, when Dickert looks to expand his staff, is he going to be looking for guys like that? Is he going to be able to land guys like that? If he makes a phone call and says, Hey, come up here with me. Are they going to take that phone call? I, I don't know, man, it's tough. And it's not like you can't succeed that way. I mean, Matt Campbell is a great example at Iowa state of a guy who didn't have any power five experience. Um, and then has obviously been amazing at Iowa state. So it can be done. It's just that man, it's, it seems like it's like the Matt Campbell's of the world are more rare than the Paul Wolfs and Nick Roloviches of the world. Yeah. So I guess final, uh, just real quick, because um, they asked, was was there, but I want to move on to something else after this. Uh, do, was there another coach that you had in mind that you were looking at, or have you just not even gotten into that part yet before they? <laughs> I, so I know that I know how this sounds, but I'm going to say it again. Not my job. That's Pat Chun's job. That's why we're paying him $700,000 a year is to know who else they can get um, who will be a better fit. Now, maybe I should just trust that Pat Chun hired the best guy. You know, that's certainly a reasonable position to take. Um, it certainly seems like given the timing of everything that they didn't conduct a real search. Um, and given everything that we've heard from the, you know, just like people who are in and around the program, um, it, it certainly seemed like this was somewhat predestined. Um, and, and that is, that's a little frustrating to me. So it's not so much that, you know, they didn't get some guy that I really, really wanted. Um, there are other guys, you know, Jay, look, I mean, you know, DeBoer is, is a guy, I mean, you were talking about him for UW. Okay. So that's a guy that I would have thought of, uh, you know, Jay Norvell at, at Nevada, whatever. Like, like there are a number of guys that would have been like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, ultimately though, like it just would have been nice to, or, or I think it would have been more appropriate to conduct a real search. Um, and this certainly did not seem like a real deal search given everything that we've heard, um, around how it was handled. So that, that's the only part that, that frustrates me. It, it's not so much that we didn't get this guy or that guy, but, um, I, I certainly would have liked us to, to do a real search, do some real interviews because the reality is Dicker would have been there. Like, where's he going? Right? Like he's not going anywhere if he thinks he's got a chance at getting that job. Right? So you make him wait for a week. What's the big deal? Um, it still would have worked out fine. You may still have ended up a Dickert anyway, but you know, to be the first of all of these programs with vacancies to hire their guy and have it be the guy who was the interim and have it be in a situation where it certainly seemed like it was a bit of a foregone conclusion. Uh, those, those are all things that I just don't really particularly care for, but you know, maybe that's neither here nor there. I don't know. I just personally, I don't care for it very much. All right. Well, we are very deep into this podcast. Yes, we, uh, we are. Not even talked about <laughs> basketball yet, which did anyone really want to talk well, about? Well, we, so, we can uh, make that quick. Uh, so, yeah, they, there's a couple of questions. I, I'm just going to, you know, obviously you probably know if you listen to this, they lost to Eastern Washington really frustratingly um, uh, on Saturday. Just to put a downer on the Apple Cup win, I guess, is what they were trying to do. I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they were celebrating it like I was. Nah, just kidding. Maybe. But, um, um, yeah, but so, yeah, they lost Eastern Washington. They had a 40-21 to 21 lead in the first half. Let that, once again, uh, struggled holding a lead. But this time, the lead wasn't big enough. 99.4% um, 90, 
win probability according to Ken Pomeroy at that point. So uh, just go, some questions. Uh, Garrett Foster again at G Foster Fit asks, why has the men's basketball defense been so much worse the last three halves and really not at all that good this year? Is it the three-guard lineup? Is it more than that, which is far, far scarier? Um, I think the small guards do play a role. Um, I think that's part of the reason why teams are shooting more threes against us. They're making them at a decent rate. Uh, that's why the Iwu's guards had a nice day inside the arc against us. Um, obviously, Flowers, uh, well, obviously, Noah and Bamba were out for that game, so you're losing some size immediately. And then, uh, but so Flowers and Roberts obviously were carried us on offense. But at some point, you got to look at the, the big difference from the defense last year and this year. And it is instead of having Isaac Bonton and Noah Williams as your one and two, you have who were 6'3 and 6'5. And Isaac Bonton is a very good on ball defender, probably better than Noah Williams even. And, and then you have uh, now you have. Tyrell Roberts, who's five uh, eleven, and maybe, maybe, and then Michael Flowers, who's maybe. also again maybe six foot one. Um, both very talented offensive players, as they showed in that game. But it's just, yeah, it, I, I think it's impacting the defense. Eastern was seventeen to thirty two on on uh, on uh, twos. I think there was definitely some communication issues. I saw some guys kind of barking at each other a bit a few times. Um, so that was just really frustrating um to watch you know they had a 6-2 guy that shot 14 free throws um so it's and i i didn't do a big preview on eastern so i didn't know them nearly as well as i normally know a team but i know that they weren't that good they're not good enough they shouldn't be good enough no. to beat us in pullman even no. with noah and bomb out they just shouldn't nope. lose to them uh and i think the rebounding has been disappointing. We've talked about this. That's part of the defense. The defensive rebounding has not been very good. F.A., who was a dominant defensive rebounder last year, is not rebounding that well. Really, there's no one that's been like a dominant defensive rebounder. Um, and I, I think it leads to sometimes they're they're bumping into each other, grabbing the rebounds, whatever. Like It's just uh, their defensive rebounding is leaving something to be desired. And then their perimeter defense is just not what it was last year. And so it, it, and then they're giving up a lot of free throws just because I think it's, it's a, it's part of the reason why they're getting a lot of free throws. It's the function of the referees. How the games have been called so far. Um, You know, their, their two point defense is amazing. Very good. But teams are getting, finding other ways to score. And right now our defense is, is not playing well. And that's, that's the concerning thing. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like... Also, going 10 for 30 on offense on twos against Eastern was also very concerning. Yeah, also brutal. Um, And and so many missed layups in there as well, again, (laughs) hearkening back to last year. Um, No, I I think, you know, look, there was a sense that in order for the team to meet their uh, ceiling this year, that they were just going to have to be better offensively. Like, they had to be better offensively and so i think that from the outset this was a you know the lineups the rotations um truly were a nod to the idea that that they need to score and they need to figure out how to score um and so and so maybe that ends up you know paying off 
Cause they certainly have done that, right? Like the Eastern game was, was an aberration. The offense has been spectacular, you know, through the first four games or first, sorry, first five games, um, you know, before the, before the sixth game hit. So, um, you know, there definitely, I think was a sense they needed to step up offensively, that that was the thing that they were going to need to do in order to, uh, you know, make it to the NCAA tournament. And they, and they definitely, definitely have done that. So now the question is, okay, so the defense has, has maybe come a little bit at an expense of that, right? Like they've put their best scores on the floor with, you know, we mentioned the three guard lineup and I know that, you know, Noah Williams is, is probably technically playing a wing spot, but um, you know, he's a, he's a guard, right? So, yeah. um, so you've just gotten really small on the perimeter and, and I think, you know, going from, you know, like you said last year between Bonton Williams and then, you know, whoever Yakimovsky or, or someone like that, um, you know, going from six, three, six, five, six, eight or six, nine to, you know, five, 10 ish, six, one ish, six, five ish. Um, that's a, that's a big, 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 big difference. And so I do wonder if they maybe change up the rotations a little bit, um, you know, go a little bigger. I, I know Noah didn't play in the, this last game. And, and I think that everything just seemed very out of sync in this game. So, you know, I, I tend to think it was really just more of an aberration. I know that we have, you know, a lot, a ton of confidence in Kyle Smith and his ability to, to get the team going in the right direction. So um, I think the defense is going to improve. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, some personnel changes heading into Arizona State on Wednesday because um, that's a fairly, not fairly, that's a really important game. Yeah, um, especially a team that after, is similar to you. Especially with this bad loss you have on the resume. Yep. Um, yep. So you you, meant, you said the word aberration a lot. Marcus Paul Burns asked, uh, I'm still confused about the Eastern game last night at MVP three, the three. Um, should I think of it as an aberration or resign myself to watching the NIT in March? Well, if they're going to play like that, if the defense does not improve, then yes. <laughs> um, uh, this the, yep. if, they, if they play that this level of defense that they've played so far, they are not going to be an NCAA yes. tournament team. No, no, they're not. So nope. So, so they yes, get better. If, if it's like that, but I do think they're going to better. They've gotten better on defense throughout the year, every year uh, Kyle's been here. So I, I, I think that they will again. Uh, and they, you know, they have yeah. a lot of new guys. They have young guys. Uh, they have new lineups that they're trying out. Um, I think once they have a more a solid rotation, solid, solid lineups that they typically use, I think it'll look better. Um, the one thing that concerns me, by the way, is F.A. He did not look like himself yeah. against Eastern. Um, and so Maybe that I, knee I, is still bothering him. I don't know. Yeah, I'm concerned that that's going to be a lingering issue throughout the season because um, he really is a difference maker defensively as they as they really try to funnel guys um, into areas where shots can be blocked with the trees. So I don't know, man. Just something to think about. But but I'm 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 mildly I'm mildly concerned there about that situation with his knee. So uh, Bryce Hendricks, our Fred Bryce, which I don't know why you're asking his questions, Bryce. You know more than we do. Um, are you worried about the lack of... I know. Why is he asking us? We don't know shit. Are you worried about <laughs> the lack of athleticism with our guards? I feel like pick and roll is yes. poor offensive play for us because we don't have guards that can detail. Yes. I, I'm very worried yes. particularly with... Uh, so, yeah, Flowers is much more works in the mid-range area. If he's, if he's going, he's not going to the basket. He's yeah. not... He's not getting by guys as much unless it's just a quick one step. And yeah, I'm definitely worried about Roberts, especially against better um, athletes, his ability yes. to get, get by people go downhill, as you said, Bryce. So yes, yep. 
Um, it's 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 not just the athleticism; it's the size. It's it's both. <laughs> I I feel like Koulibaly is the guy who can do that. Yes. but he also is so inconsistent right now. Yeah. Um, really, really, really inconsistent. Like, like probably the most volatile player we've got. Um, just in terms of what he brings to the floor. Like sometimes he looks like a like a future All Pack Twelve guy, and sometimes he looks like, oh, good God, why is this guy playing? Um, so he just, he, you know, he needs to grow into the role. Maybe that happens. Um, cause he, he definitely is the one guy with the size and the athleticism to get downhill in a pick and roll situation. Uh, but he's, you know, he, he clearly is, you know, still trying to grow, grow as, as a player. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think flowers can, um, be that kind of player, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know, man, we, we just kind of look at, and maybe this isn't fair right now, but, but right now with, this set of results that, that we've had, particularly the last one we just had, um, it's it's very easy to kind of look at the limitations, right, of this team. Like the areas where they're limited, the areas where they need to get better, um, the areas that might hold them back. You know, maybe that's not fair, but but that's kind of how it feels right now, especially, you know, on the heels of a loss like that where you just kind of go, eh, you know, there's, there's a number of things that, that didn't look good. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we should, maybe we should be focusing more on the, you know, on the quarters that – or, or sorry, not quarters, but halves um, that that turned out so well and and led to the, you know, the big leads that granted they didn't finish maybe as well as we would like, but yeah. Also, that's sort of the luxury of having a giant lead. Yeah. So I, you know, hopefully this uh, issue with them letting big leagues big leads go isn't like an issue of effort or anything like that. Um, although I I have a feeling there that might be an element of it. Um, so yeah, they got a big one against Arizona state. Uh, that's, that's one, uh, that'd be good. It's, uh, listed as an a game on Campom, So it's, it's, it potentially could be a tier tier one, uh, game down the road, depending yeah. on how well Arizona yeah. does the rest of the season. Yeah. So if you can get that, uh, 44% chance to win based on Campom. Uh, Arizona State's number 85. We're number 57. Uh, that'll be interesting. Um, yeah, that'd be a big win if they could get it. And then go into USC uh, on Saturday. That would be obviously huge to get that win. Uh, yeah. So big, big week. Uh, then they have a couple tough mid-majors or three tough mid-majors after that. But And then Boise State coming. Like it's, They got a pretty tough schedule coming up. Definitely didn't want to lose that one to Eastern. It's very frustrating. Um, but we got through... All of our yeah. questions. Uh, we should uh, briefly. The women's hoops got a big win down in the Bahamas over Miami, um, who was uh, listed as a, a first four out on uh, ESPN's bracketology. So I assume that's going to be a good win. They, you know, they they won pretty handily despite turning the ball over like twenty five times. Um, I think that's gonna that's an issue they need to clean up big time. They are turning the ball over way too much, um, but it's good to have Johanna Tader back. Uh, she definitely adds an offensive element that they didn't have before. And then they got pummeled by NC State, who is a top five team. Uh, got a little humbled, uh, so we'll see how they do against kind of the top teams in, in the Pac-12 this year. Um, obviously they've always had trouble with like Stanford. They've not really been able to touch them yet. So I don't know if that was a, a harbinger of that, but yeah, overall they, they got a big win, 
they definitely need to clean up those turnovers is way too much, especially in the first half. They seem yeah. to have this issue of just piling them up in the first half. Yep. Yeah, I, I think on balance that was a good, you know, series for them, you know, down there. I think, you know, beating uh, you know, beating Miami is a good win. That's a quality win. Um, you know, you look for those wins that differentiate yourselves from the other teams that are sort of in similar situations, right? So, yeah. you know, if we if we think this team is potentially a bubble-ish team, um, you know, come March, that's that's a good, you know, separator. Um, NC State, you know, again, that that was sort of a, uh, you know, no, really there, there wasn't a lot of risk there, right? Like you're playing a team that everybody knows is very, very good. And if you play great, awesome. If you don't, eh. You know, and so, you know, they got beat by what? 15, right? So uh, you beat by 15, 28, 28. Oh, my bad. 62 maybe to 34. Oh, maybe it was, maybe it was 15 at one point during the game. I don't know. Anyway, you're losing a team. Everybody knows is good. That's not necessarily a huge problem. So, um, to get the win against Miami was, was important. Uh, you know, the experience against uh, NC state was good. And, and I think ultimately, you know, I don't think they were necessarily harmed by what happened against NC State. And I think that, you know, again, differentiating yourself from a team like Miami um, is a good thing. And they handled Miami fairly easily. Maybe they beat Miami by 15. Maybe that's, that's what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking of. So anyway, you know, you, you know, you handled them fairly easily. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah. And then uh, the volleyball team, uh, they they lost yeah. their Apple Cup match uh, on Saturday. Ooh. Uh, without Pia Timmer again, but uh, possibly uh, she could be back because they are yes, going to the good. NCAA tournament again for the sixth straight time, which is so awesome. Um, and they're playing Northern Colorado in the first round. So um, that's just uh, like an awesome achievement, six straight NCAA tournaments. Yeah. Uh, that's something so cool that, you know, uh, not a lot of our programs accomplish. Yep. I mean, it's... I- we talk all the time about how this is sort of the golden era of WCU sports that that's part of it, man. So, um, you know, the, I think it's Northern Arizona, right? That's who they play Northern in Colorado. The first round, Northern Colorado. Doggone it. I knew it was one of those Northern teams in the Southwest. So Northern Colorado, um, a team they should beat, um, it's sort of a similar, it looks like a similar situation to what soccer faced, which was, you know, in case you get your, you get your, your easy opponent up first. And then, um, just kind of jump it right into the fire with your next game. So they're, they're going to be right there and, um, you know, super duper, super exciting. And again, a really young team overall, um, which is, which is super crazy. So, um, again, you know, as, as we say often, you know, kudos to Jen Greeny, um, and her staff, uh, putting together these teams. Um, it's very, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you for listening again to a, a long podcast. Obviously, that was one of our longer game recaps because we won the fucking Apple Cup. Um, if you uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at the Craig Powers. Jeff is at Pod versus Everyone on Instagram. I'm at Craig W Powers. Um, if you want to send us an email with questions, Craig. No, that's my email. I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, it's uh, although it's just on the Kook Center <laughs> website, you can just go find it there. It but um, but uh, it's a uh, podcast vs everyone at gmail dot com. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. That's all. Um, hopefully, uh, getting my shit together and putting a, uh, a Patreon together, and we have some real cool 
uh, potential items for you to earn on that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Jeff, uh, go Cougs. Go Cougs, Craig. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Get fucking vaccinated. And fuck the Huskies.